Welcome to Living Harmoniously, an ever-expanding revolution of women, embracing their bodies and their extraordinary natural rhythms to enhance all aspects of life. Hello there and welcome to the very first episode of the Living Harmoniously podcast. We are so thrilled to finally have this off the ground because like most women who are juggling babies and partners and businesses and now podcasts, some ideas, no matter how amazing they are, take more time than what we envisaged. But we have got an incredible first season of the Living Hormoniously podcast uh, on the horizon for you. My name's Lissy Turner. I'm a yoga therapist. I'm going to be the host of this podcast. Every now and again, I'm going to be joined by my Living Hormoniously co-founder, Talia Minot, who is on with me today. I'll introduce you to her in a second. And for all the episodes in between, we are going to be featuring and talking to an incredible smorgasbord of brilliant human beings of all genders about their endocrine experiences. To get started, I'd love to introduce you to Talia Minot, holistic nutritionist. Talia, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) On your own podcast. (laughs) This is so exciting because we're really passionate about getting this information. To have this revolution through education of women around the female endocrine system and how the knowledge of it can change your life. How can we get that information out there in a broader and broader ways than just our workshops? And so excited to have this podcast underway to be able to do that. What does it really mean to you to live harmoniously? Such a great question. I think living harmoniously is living in flow and I guess that's how we got to where we are today was because in my early 20s I definitely wasn't living harmoniously. There was a lot of disrupt in my cycle in terms of amenorrhea which is uh, not having a cycle for a certain amount of time which for me was around about 12 months. Then dysmenorrhea so having really painful cycles, uh, ovarian cysts. So I had all these things going on but I almost shoved them to the side. You know, I did go and see a doctor and of course their remedy was to go on the pill, which I didn't actually do, thankfully, because I turned into an absolute head case when I was on the pill. I guess I wasn't living harmoniously because I had no idea about what was going on with my hormones at the time. And there's so many women out there that are in the same spot because it's something that we're never taught. I kind of shoved these symptoms to the side and just continued my life. Whereas, you know, there became a point where I was like, okay, one day I do want to have kids. And also the the pain that I was experiencing every cycle was so debilitating that I was like, I need to address this. So I started doing my own work, getting my own, you know, practitioners to support me, but also learning myself what was actually going on. And through that, I realized how a woman is different every single day of her cycle due to her hormones and what's going on and the hormones affect so many different areas of life. Once I started learning about this, I could then put this into my life in terms of, okay, here I am in my cycle. These are the things that will support it in terms of food, movement, experiences I might decide to have or even just feelings. So Now where I'm at, although hilariously, I actually have not had my cycle in about four to five years now due to birthing two little gorgeous humans. But when I do have my cycle now and when it does come back, which I'm really excited for, 
I plan my life around it. I decide to go places when I'm in the phase that is more open to going places. I decide to eat more warming foods when I'm in the phase that requires more warming foods. So living harmoniously for me is living with my inner hormonal system, living in sync with it or in flow with it rather than how I was living before, which basically had just no idea of what was going on. You've ended up here in this journey and being a specialist in the female endocrine system, particularly around the reproductive system, because you weren't in harmony with your hormones and you discovered along the way that you actually had the power to shift a lot of that when you're in those sort of that worst time for you where it was painful Mm. um bleeds were heavy where you felt really uncertain there was a lot of emotions was there a a time where you actually thought that that was simply normal absolutely and i believe you know you listening right now might think the same thing and a lot of people who we have come to our workshops or to the clinics that we both have do believe that painful periods are normal and I remember going to the doctor and the doctor just saying to me basically that it is normal and I was prescribed naprogesic to take two days before I expected to have my period every month and my period because I had um, PCOS was kind of all over the place so basically in my head I was like okay she wants me to be on naprogesic for at least a week out of every month which Seemed wild to me at the time. And this was the advice from a female GP. A female GP, yes. Who was potentially a little bit out of touch with her own hormonal system, which is where we come into it, living harmoniously, coming down to the fundamental nuts and bolts of what is this particular gender's physiology Mm -hmm. and what does it require. Yeah. So how does the life look like from there rather than how do we try and squeeze that system into a, a framework that doesn't work for it? And I just was reading recently, I can't remember the company, but, you know, I guess this is being talked about more and people are more open about it all now. Uh, there's a company, I think it was in Australia, that actually now does have a menstrual cycle health day that can be one of your sick days, which is absolutely amazing. So the first day of your bleed, which you are meant to be more inner and trying to do less, I guess, if that if that is possible to you, that these women who work with this company can actually take that day off and rest. Because the essence of that is actually coming to the place where we acknowledge that that is okay. Because as I said, a woman's body is doing already a lot. And why is a woman's body doing a lot at that time? Because she carries the cycle that enables the creation of all human life regardless of gender. So this is why we look at living harmoniously as a community support situation, not just how does one individual woman manage and potentially even hide her own experience. So what do you see as some of those key things that you can do, that we can all do, that will assist in this journey toward the goal of this kind of acceptance that we're talking about? I think number one is knowledge for the person, the individual. Once you actually understand what is going on within yourself, um, I I think it's just a fundamental for all women to actually understand what is going on within themselves, number one. And then number two is... Uh, sharing that with people and changing the rhetoric around this because there is still quite a negative rhetoric around it where there's actually so many amazing attributes to all the phases including the bleed including the phase before the bleed so once you understand those amazing features number one and then sharing those 
and actually being okay with sharing those things. Like we talk about in one of our workshops, the perimenopause workshop, we say, how great would it be to be having a hot flush and actually just be able to say, I am having a hot flush rather than having to try and deal with that yourself in silence and then you know proceed with whatever you're doing at that time with what we'd like to really investigate what we uh, hopefully will be a witness to in our lifetimes is what is the endocrine health and reproductive health of a woman look like when she doesn't have to continuously repress her experience so repressing a hot flush or attempting to repress this almost like force from the center of the earth is heat that can rise so powerfully for some women trying to repress that kind of force Mm. cannot be good for the flow and effect for the health of that woman how we measure that has been impossible to this point so what we'd like to see is what does that look like if we can unfold that and unfurl that over time so tell me about you you've mentioned that you've obviously you've had your two little humans so you haven't cycled actually for quite a few years yeah and uh between the boys so between your pregnancies though you you must have cycled at least once I cycled once between my pregnancies and this is you know this is a part that I love so so much is that during my deep research into my own body which seems almost crazy that this wasn't taught to me at some stage of my schooling life but during my own deep research in my early 20s I learned about fertility awareness method so it's basically tracking the signs that um, are your menstrual cycle to know exactly where you are in your menstrual cycle I had one full cycle in between my two boys and then a few months later because my hormones were obviously trying to rebalance themselves and I was still breastfeeding at the time I knew I was ovulating because of the awareness I now had or the body literacy that I now had I knew that my cervical mucus was showing me that I was about to ovulate so I fell pregnant that first month that we tried which was amazing and such a It just made me, you know, with all the work we do, I was like, how incredible that I've been able to actually know that I'm ovulating without having a cycle, you know, a few few weeks before that, because it had been a couple of months since I'd had the cycle and was able to, I guess, practice what I preach or practice what I've learned. So I think the body literacy part of all this knowledge is just incredible. So you had this incredibly successful experience with your second pregnancy. You mentioned earlier that you'd had PCOS, which can often, it can be a really upsetting experience for young women when they get that diagnosis because they can feel that they might not be able to have children. Tell me about your lead in then to the first pregnancy. How easy or challenging was that process? The lead in was probably longer than what I intended. And that was because I started learning more about myself just pre pre the lead in. So I really realized how much work I had to do on my hormonal system and on my, um, well, just, yeah, basically that in all my aspects of life. So, you know, we thought about having a child in six months, which ended up being actually a couple of years before we started trying, because I knew that I wanted to balance my hormonal system out. And one thing that I learned through all of my research and um, studies that I did was that 
your cycle it's like a monthly health report card so if i had stuff coming up for me which i did in many areas i knew that it was leading back to issues in my system or there wasn't homeostasis there wasn't balance in some areas so it took quite a few months to actually get to that point i actually did have a miscarriage before i had luca which was obviously quite emotional the lead into having luca i was charting my cycle and i think with him, it took about four or five months to fall pregnant, but I was, I'd been chatting my cycle for a couple of years. So I knew what was going on, but I was still learning my body. I was still learning myself during that time as well. It was, yeah, still such an incredible experience to literally just be using this chart. You know, and it was on paper. I didn't use any of the apps because I just had this aversion to putting it onto a device at that time. So just on paper, you know, charting all my little bits and pieces pieces felt so incredible to fall pregnant that way it felt so natural and in tune with with myself what I really love is what you did and what you're extending out there in your learnings to other women is this very conscious approach to conception health so often the shifts that we make to our health happens once we've fallen pregnant mm. and then we think oh I'm carrying a baby I have to make all of these better health choices but rarely, I think, is the discussion coming up around conception health. So what mm. are the conditions of my eggs and what are the conditions of his sperm? Absolutely. Just as importantly, before we fall pregnant. Where did you actually sort of learn to have this, this such a conscious approach to the condition of that very first start of your little one's life? I don't really know. I think I think it was just through the practitioners I was seeing and also what I was learning. I just realized how important this was. Uh, and there were a few books I read during this time and it is so important. And I remember reading somewhere about, and I, I was actually listening to other podcasts back then too who were who were talking about preconception. And I remember reading this quote that one of the practitioners had put on her, on her website and it was basically saying, you know, we spend months pre-empting our wedding, so trying to get wedding ready and spending all this money on, you know, getting the body and the dress and all that. And back then, no one was really thinking about getting the body for the baby, like getting that healthy body. And I remember just reading that and just... It just stuck with me and really repeated in me. I was like, wow, how important it is to actually have, like you said, the healthy egg and the healthy sperm. 50-50 is so important for us to actually acknowledge that because I think still today there is more emphasis on the woman and it's it's both. In having that preconception time of you know balancing the hormone, preparing for healthy sperm, preparing for healthy egg, preparing for healthy mind – so that the pregnancy is therefore hopefully great and also the postpartum. There really are the three stages in, in Ayurveda that talks about the foundation of ourselves as human beings, which is the phase of conception, so my own conception, mm. the phase of the pregnancy, and then, of course, the life after the birth. And these are our three foundational stages that determine what is going to be the nature of my innate constitution mm. growing up. So it's just beautiful and so powerful, I think, to be leading into conception with such incredible awareness. And of course, it's a fantastic hobby to have. 
Absolutely. Right, is, is good health. It's such an amazing hobby because yeah. it impacts and filters into every other part of life. So you're a, a holistic nutritionist. Mm-hmm. What does that actually mean for those people who uh, have just heard this expression for the first time in comparison mm-hmm. to simply being a nutritionist? Yeah. Well, I guess I've kind of tagged that holistic on there a little bit. So I did study nutrition at uni, um, graduated in 2008, which feels so long ago now. So I am a nutritionist, but the reason I refer to myself as a holistic nutritionist is because food obviously is the first and foremost fundamental part of the work I do but it's not the only part and I think it's I think it's misguiding to just focus on one element so food is foremost the first first part but um, leading on from that there's a more holistic approach to all of the workshops we do and all of the uh, clients that I have so I also look at you know mental health we also look at specific tools such as castor oil packs yoni steaming uh, whatever that client may need and every client is individualized so I do not have a certain regime or protocol for clients everyone is completely individualized so we look at so many aspects of their lives because hormonal health women's health preconception pregnancy all those things are all so holistic they're not just about one specific part and I think if you just address one specific part you're missing the whole picture mm, everything's tied together yeah and that's the chemical bonds even between atoms totally We're all connected together totally so how much power does food have in relation to hormones we are going to get into the specifics of this as the uh, seasons progress but how much power do you feel it really plays oh, in a hormones? a huge amount a huge amount I guess there's two sections to this. So not only do the foods that you eat uh, affect your hormones in terms of supporting them, but there are also foods that can be detrimental as well. And they're so, like you said, we're going to get into this because this would be a whole episode on its own. But um, there's also the foods as medicine that if there is a specific ailment going on, there's specific foods that can support that. But foods play a ginormous role in on hormones. What are some of the more common pathologies that you're addressing in terms of the female hormone system in your clinic? So amenorrhea is quite a big one. So that's uh, where a woman has been without a cycle for more than three months. It's common to have the odd cycle that you miss, but if there's a consistency of a cycle missing, there's a, that's a pathology. Um, and PCOS I see coming up a little bit and endometriosis is something that is quite big now and fertility issues. So all those areas are probably where I predominantly focus my my clinic. Um, well, I mean, that's what comes to me. I'm not choosing that to come to me. Um, and they're all hormonal based, you know, they're all based on supporting and balancing the hormones. And most of them, it's not hard to do them. It's just about being focused and about, you know, wanting to, wanting to make these slight changes in whether it be stress, whether it be food, whether it be lifestyle, whatever that may be. We live in a world now where there is a lot of stress and stress is the number one aggravating factor for infertility and for hormonal issues. Mm. So we're up against quite a bit at the moment with with all of that. And I would say that the first step actually for, for anybody, male or female, in terms of addressing their own health is actually knowing that you have the power as an individual to make changes to your own body. Absolutely. We do it in some sort of 
um, smudgy, blurry way. We have this understanding, but how far, for the most part, we are removed from the knowledge that we are the one and only custodian of this body. Our mind exists in every single cell of our own body. Mm. Nobody else owns it. I own my uterus. I own my ovaries. Mm -hmm. I own my stomach, liver, heart, lungs, pancreas, spleen, all of it. I am the only caretaker of that. So that first step in knowing how much you can do as an individual for your own body yeah. is the first potent step towards good health. And how powerful such subtle changes can be is what to- always astounds me in clinic when you know we make a subtle change with adding in some specific foods or taking out specific foods and what that then shows. And again, going back to that monthly health report card, it's like, okay, let's make these changes and see how your cycle is next month. See how it is in two months, see how it is in three months. And it's incredible that the cycle shows us, you know, yes, sometimes we do need to have a look at some clinical pathology, blood tests and all those types of things. But most of the time the cycle will show us whether our how or where our health is basically mm. and, and what we'd like to extend out to you right now is an invitation to start really looking so being such a, a, a almost a microscopic witness to mm. what's happening in your own body talia and i are going to be talking about lots of informational and educational things over the uh, course of this podcast but it's a framework that you need to hang all of the details of your own individual experience off so looking at what are your emotions as you you know cruise through the month and not cruise so gracefully at other times <laughs> uh, how does your belly feel how does your low back feel how does your vagina feel what is the temperature of you how do certain foods impact you how do you become affected with your energy levels and what movements and exercises that you want to do or are able to do during different phases of the month for those of you who are still cycling so really getting into the microscopics of that just mm. make it like your number one hobby to be a witness to your own experience and we encourage you to take a, a journal to even even if it's just something small if you journal each day already as part of your daily journaling just tag on a little bit that talks about how do i feel today so what are my emotions where is the moon the external moon in its in its cycle and where am i in mine but if you're not cycling anymore don't worry we've still got you covered we've got plenty of perimenopausal plenty of menopausal um, guests coming in we've got plenty of information in those phases of life adolescence as well postpartum preconception the whole gamut we're going to be covering in this particular podcast so between now and the next episode that's your homework it's an invitation to just start looking at yourself so that's only a week away between now and then talia just really drawing on your nutritionist knowledge mm-hmm. <laughs> is there anything that you'd like the women who are listening to explore in terms of their food for the next week yeah absolutely so i think one of my number one hormone balancing foods and of course always individualize if this is a food that doesn't agree with you don't start consuming it but one of my number one loves is broccoli or broccoli sprouts it is a really great detoxifier in terms of de- helping to detoxify the estrogen out of our body, which does need some assistance. So if you can add in always steamed or cooked in some way, try not to do cruciferous vegetables like broccoli raw. So if you can just add half a cup or a cup of broccoli uh, or broccoli sprouts, just a sprinkle of them because they're 
what's the word? Like the essence. Yes. Like the undiluted, distilled power essence. They are like the powerful. Yeah. (laughs) Just a sprinkling of those every day or every second day for the month and see see if you feel any different or see if your cycle is any different in that following month. Usually the egg takes about 90 days to mature. So actually what you do now is going to have its biggest effect in 90 days, but often people do see a change in that next cycle and in the following, but they'll see the greatest change in the in the cycle three months from now. Amazing. So Talia Minot, co-founder of Living Harmoniously and <laughs> a holistic nutritionist. Thanks for joining us on your own podcast today. Thank you. My name's Lucy Turner. I'm going to be back with you next week on the Living Hormoniously podcast, along with an incredible woman who started an extraordinary project that teaches people how to build things whilst building themselves up. Her name's Sophie Wilksch. Her project is called Shedding. We're going to be talking to her all about that. We're going to be talking, of course, about her cycling and how she's discovered so much more about her own body and her body literacy through the body of another woman. got a question you'd like to suggest a guest or get in contact with myself Lissy Turner yoga therapist or with Talia Minot holistic nutritionist www.livinghormoniously.com hope you can join me for next episode of living harmoniously the podcast mm-hmm.